Thank you so much for joining us on another edition of Tifosi Football Radio. My name is Christian Baldanza DiTacchio. And this is Giuliano Caleri. And it's Thursday, February the 3rd. Once again, thanks so much for joining us. A lot to talk about. Lots of excitement. Canada going three for three in uh, World Cup qualifiers. And uh, getting the full nine points, Jules. And are almost there at Qatar. We're almost... We're almost in Qatar. I mean, it's unless we see an epic collapse and a couple of teams pull off a couple of miracles in the last three, in the last round of qualifiers in March, Canada's pretty much going to the World Cup. And it's not a question of if we're going to the World Cup now. It's a question of how far can this team go. And uh, they are all the hype. They are all the excitement. The whole world is watching. The whole world is on notice. And we're going to dig real deep into that very, very shortly. But uh, before that, we got uh, just wanted to run down what we have coming up for you. So we have, we're going to obviously talk about Canada's amazing, uh, amazing three games in this international window. We're going to talk about the transfers. The Mercato's closed now. Transfers done. A lot of, a lot of additions, a lot of controversial transfers. And uh, then we're going to preview... City A, because it is back this weekend, back in the club football. Uh, so let's jump right in. Let's talk about Canada's amazing run, beating Honduras Jules, beating the States, and beating El Salvador. Two demons in Central America, uh, f- personal demons for the Canadians. Uh, historically, Canada is abysmal in Central America. And pulling off two wins there, and then hosting the States in Hamilton, in between those two games, and uh, beating them comfortably two nothing. I mean, what's your take on the? What's your take on this team? Is Canada for real? Oh yeah, Canada's beyond for real. They, <laughs> we don't have a weakness really in the squad, and every part of the field, striking position, midfield position, defense position, goalkeeping, we have superstars in every area of the pitch which a lot of teams don't have um it's unbelievable nine out of nine no one was expecting that i don't think with two difficult trips to central america uh the big win against the states in in hamilton historic win just just unbelievable the way this team is winning uh it just leaves me speechless the anyone can slot in me we were missing arguably our most talented midfielder in the first game Stakio Samuel Petit stepped in and he did a, a, a decent job. Herdman even changed the formation, moved Jonathan David Moore out wide, Kyle Aaron came central. So it's just amazing how fluid this team is and how he can slot players into any position and, mm-hmm. and, and the way they went with style. Yeah. And they can choose to sit back or attack a team. And I, I can't believe where this Canadian team's come out of. I, I don't know. I can't believe what I'm seeing on the field. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, games. not only was Eustachio missing the first two games, but we missed Alfonso Davies the entire window yes. here. That's a big loss for us. I mean, but everybody filled in admirably. Um, yeah, I think I, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, uh, Milan Borjan is showing that he's a world-class goalkeeper at the age of 34. Um, you could see what it meant for him what it means to him to, to, to win every game that he plays with this Canadian national team, especially that game in Hamilton where he grew up when he came 
when he immigrated to this country from Yugoslavia at the young age. Um, yeah, this team was short, and still, it, I think this is a testament to the depth that Canada has. I mean, going into this international window, I think in the last podcast we talked about, we said, you know what? What's going to be good here is seven points. Seven points we'd be happy with, and we got the full nine, which is huge. And uh, we we said that because we knew that Alfonso Davies wasn't going to be there. We knew that there was going to be, there was basically, we're going to be relying on the depth of the national team, which we which to us was unknown. And they came out, they beat Honduras comfortably. They beat the U.S. comfortably. And yes, I know there's a lot of talk about that bizarre goal that Atiba Hutchinson scored last night in El Salvador, but they deserve to win that game. Uh, they deserve to win all three. And they did. And like I said, like I said a few minutes ago, it's not a matter of if Canada is going to the World Cup. It's a matter of how far they're going to go in this tournament. And I think they can go toe to toe with some of the big dogs in this in 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 the World Cup. I think they can go. Yeah, I think so too. If if you look at the states, the success they've had in the past, how coming out of the group stages, sometimes making runs. Mexico always comes out of the group stages, gets to the round of sixteen. Why can't this Canadian team, based off what everyone's seen on the field, not come out of the group stages? Yeah, and then after that, you take it one game at a time because it's one game, it's one and done after the group stage. Yes. Yeah. So anything can happen. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if this team makes a push into the quarterfinals. And maybe even further, because anything can happen at that point. And uh, they just I look just, great. Yeah, they do look great. And you know what? That credit goes to John Herdman for that. It has to. You have to give him credit he, for that. He's been unbelievable. You you look at the lineups for the three games. It was different every time. Not once did he have the same defensive lineup in these three matches. Uh, three different formations. It's unbelievable how he's able to plug players in when, where and when needed. Uh and a lot of coaches aren't capable of doing that. Uh, he's been phenomenal, and the players love him. Um, he's he's been a good uh, fulcrum for the team. You, you know, everything funnels towards John Herdman. He's a good leader to have, and it takes the pressure off the players. And he's he's been fantastic. Uh, no, absolutely, absolutely raised his value after this. And you know, we have to we have to take it back to when it was first announced that John Herdman was going to be moving from women's soccer into into men's soccer and taking care of the national program from basically from the national team all the way down to grassroots. So like he's basically restructuring the whole program for Canadian soccer. And Mm -hmm. there was a lot of controversy when he came in because basically he gave him an ultimatum. You know, if you don't give me the men's national team, I'm going to walk because I've done what I can with the women's national team, which he did admirably. And, uh, there was that controversial firing of Zambrano, and a, a lot of us, myself included, were really upset when that happened because Zambrano thought we thought it, we were going in a step in the right direction, and then we thought we were going to go two steps back with John Herdman. So he had a lot to prove, and my God, has he proven it? He's definitely proven me wrong, and I got the utmost respect for the guy. He's he's definitely changed the mentality of the Canadian players. You can see how united they are together on the field. Um, you can see what it means to them after every game, getting in that huddle in the middle of the park, uh, after the game, like they, they are united. And this is a team that is mentally strong Canadian men, the Canadian men's national team for as long as we've been alive has been so mentally fragile. And that's been the ultimate, that's been the ultimate 
uh, I would say, demon that we that that the Canadian men's national team has had. But now we've conquered that demon. We're confident. We're talented, and we're finally showing our potential. And the biggest showing is the states. Look at how we went into that game. You know, yeah. we were we were undermanned, but we sat back, played a defensive game. But we yeah. sat back. We we didn't play scared. We beat the supposed golden generation of the Americans. Yeah, we did. And we we bossed them. Really, America didn't really do much in in regards to to build up. To, you know, Canada forced them to play sideways passes and and really limited them. Um, but that that's that's telling there. That's massive because the states usually it's an easy steamroll. Canada, you know, that's typically yeah. what we would see. But now, that's. <laughs> now it's it's not happening. We almost pulled the double off of them now. It's yeah. unheard of. And at, yeah, they're at, not they're they're not scared of them at all. No. And this is like I said, the supposed golden generation of the of the states. Yeah. And um the men's national coach for the states came out after the Canada game and said he's never seen a game where they dominated and they got no results out of it. And it's like, you know, buddy, what game were you watching? You guys, basically, the states outshot us thirteen to eight. That's fine, but Canada came in and said, "We're going to sit back and we're going to hit you on the counterattack," and they executed it perfectly. They basically, eight, but none, none of the chances were dangerous, right? Exactly. Yeah. John Herdman was comfortable, was confident in knowing that they were going to do nothing with the ball. So he's like, "You know what? Let's give it to them and see what they can do." And it turned it. it was a stroke of genius. Mm-hmm. It was it was an absolute stroke of genius. And not only that, but he went into two hostile territories in Honduras and El Salvador, which has been a nightmare for Canadian soccer. Um, and basically, they went in there comfortably. They played a physical... They had to play physical games because you know when you go into Honduras and when you go into El Salvador and eventually when they go into Costa Rica and Panama in the next window, it's going to be a very physical game. Uh, they're going to play really dirty with you. But they went toe to toe with them, and they took they capitalized on their opportunities, and yeah. uh, they just they look amazing. They they look absolutely amazing from top to bottom, and uh, they do. There's there's really like I said, not a weakness in this team. He's able to. It's all, almost I think almost every player was involved, minus the two backup goalies were involved in the games at some point. Yeah, uh, which is it's it's unbelievable. I don't think any national team in the world is able to field a full rotation like that and no. walk away with full points. No. It's uh it's unheard of. No. And that's def- a big that's a big strength that's going to be underestimated uh cuz we can we can play so many different variations of systems. Yeah. Uh I guess I've never seen anything like it again. Yeah, it's true. And like I'm excited to go toe to toe with the European teams, with the Asian teams, the African teams. Like I I'm I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see what we're going to do outside of our region, the South American teams as well. Like I honestly think we're going to be they're, they're going to underestimate us and we're going to prove them wrong. I don't yeah, think anybody's going to take I don't think any of the teams from those regions are going to take Canada seriously because it's our first World Cup in 36 years. And that's where we're going to capitalize. But this is this is the amazing part. I mean, we said the, the, ultimately, the goal is to make a huge run when we co-host the 2026 World Cup. And yeah. if you're going to make a run, you have to get the World Cup experience and 
you have to get to Qatar 2022. Well, they're doing that. Yeah, that's very th- true. And dare I say it, they might be a contender for the 2026 World Cup. <laughs> they actually if- might because they're going to get that experience now. And if they're going to stick with the program, keep going. I mean, I mean, if they were to, I mean, if they were to win, the, if they were to go on a miracle run and win the World Cup in 2022, I, I this year, I mean, I think the whole country would go into an uproar. But at the end of the day, you know, at that when you look at statistics, it's unlikely that would happen. But you can never say never. And I hope they go as far as they can. But yeah, if they go far in 2020, if they go far in this World Cup, man, they're going to be a serious contender for 2026. And could possibly win it on North American soil. That's that's huge. Yeah, yeah. it's that's nice huge. to see us being considered one of the big boys now in North America. I mean, finally, in, uh, in Concacaf. Finally, this is where we needed. This is where we've always should have been. I mean, you look at the you look at the you look at the the ethnic makeup of Canada. Canada is Canada has been a. Has the have been a, has the potential to be a massive soccer powerhouse because of all these different cultures, all these different ethnicities coming together, and these are people that are coming from soccer from soccer nations, mm-hmm. and we're basically combining into one, and we're becoming. Uh, there's no reason why we can't be a juggernaut, and we're finally basically reaching our potential, which is makes me very happy. Um, I've given Canada a lot of flack. Uh, over so many so. years, rightly so, though, rightly so. I've I've given them a lot of flack, and uh, I have to say, for the first time in the soccer world, I am proud to be born in this country. Mm-hmm. In terms of soccer, um, but that being <laughs> said, Jules, <laughs> yeah. I I mean, uh, let's get into let's change it up. I mean, that's been the international break. Nothing happened yeah. really in uh, anywhere else. Well, um, Iran, Iran, and South Korea are the latest teams to join, uh, in which Qatar. Which is great. Mm-hmm. Which is great. Um, really, no news came out of that Italy camp. I know, uh, complete silence. <laughs> complete silence. Complete silence. So, no Nothing surprise there. there. Yeah. No, we're not going to be able to really say anything about the Azzurri uh, until the next international window. So we'll have a lot to go. We'll have a lot to cover in the next international window for sure. Anyways, let's move into the Mercato. Mercato's closed, Jules. Yes, it is. Lots of transfers. Yeah, surprisingly, City A pulling its uh, weight, and I don't know if it's due to the new financial climate around the world and around football, but a ton of transfers were done with loan options and, and loan obligation to buy. And due to that, a lot of City A teams were able to flex their muscle and uh, a lot of impressive transfers. And I think City A uh, was maybe, in regards to the big five leagues, maybe the biggest winners. We didn't really sell any stars anywhere. We actually kept them and and some of the big teams in Italy reinforced. Yeah. At, in Italy, who do you think the biggest winner was, Christian, for the oh. transfer market? You have to say, you have to go with Juve. You have to. Mm-hmm. I, I what do we, would say. What do we expect? What do we expect with uh, Vlahovic and Zakaria, Federico Gatti getting loaned back out to Frosinone? But what, what do you think these two are going to provide? Dejan Kuluzeski leaving, of course, Bantancourt leaving to, to Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, 
Bentancur leaving permanently. Kluzeski's deal was a one and a half season loan with an obligation to buy if he plays 20 matches. Yep. So it's pretty much a guarantee. Secret, a- secret agent Paratici funding the Vlahovic move. <laughs> pretty much. But, but what do you think, anyway, these signings provide for Juve? Oh, it's, they've addressed some massive weaknesses in their squad in the attack and in the midfield. And uh, I just, I'm scared. I'm scared of Juve. And as much as I hope Vlahovic flops for what he did and leaving Fiorentina the way he did, um, at the end of the day, based on how he's been playing this season, Juve is going to be dangerous. Um, Rocco Camiso came out saying how frustrated the whole Vlahovic deal was and that he was basically intent on leaving as a free agent and screwing Fiorentina out of any money uh, next season. And uh, they were saying they were open to a transfer, but anytime an offer came in from another from the Premier League or anything, they wouldn't even listen. So he was dead set on staying in City. I think he was dead set going to Juventus. And uh, he kind of basically forced Rocco Comiso's hand saying, you either pull the trigger now and, and get this, or I'm going as a free agent. So, in a way... <laughs> this is what we've been talking about forever. What's what's going to happen? I, I For me, personally, I think they made... I think they made the right move. And no, I mean... I, I guess big money. They did. Yeah, it's big money. They did. I mean, we talked about it two episodes ago. Like, if I was in Rocco Comiso's shoes when Fiorentino was close to Champions League, I would hang on to him and see if you can convince him to stay and get into Champions League next year. But he look, clearly had one mind, one foot out the door. Yeah, he had one foot out the door. Champions League or not, it sounds like he was on his way out. So yeah. they had. He basically forced them. He held. I think he held the club hostage yeah. and forced them into this. So I, I, I kind of feel for Fiorentina. I understand why the Fiorentina fans are upset, and I am upset for them. Of it's think, uh, think, think of the players that have made that move, yeah. starting from Roberto Baggio, the, the stars that have left Fiorentina for Juve. It's, it's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. It's, uh, it's crazy. And, I mean, the big thing for Juve, too, is they were able to get Aaron Ramsey off the books. Yeah. Sending so... him on a loan transfer to uh, Rangers. The absurd thing is, is Juve's essentially almost covering 100% of his wages at, at Rangers, though. They just don't want him. So, <laughs> just... I know. But if Rangers win the the Scottish Cup, does Juve get to lift it with the Rangers, Glasgow Rangers? If Ramsey has a big involvement, do they get to put that in their trophy cabinet if they so win the Scottish I have, League? <laughs> I have no idea. I have no but th- idea. That was a strange move. But, yeah, they just wanted to get rid of him, I guess. Yeah. Just, who cares? Pay the wages and just get rid of him. Although Fiorentina did sell Vlahovic, Artur Cabral, they brought him in right away. Yeah. So it's a good that's a good signing, I guess, to make up for the Vlahovic uh, sale. And he has more goals than Vlahovic this year. I know in the Swiss League it's a bit different, but he scored some worldies. He scores different types of goals compared to Vla- what Vlahovic brings. Yeah. My, like I said, we don't know if Vlahovic is going to be a success. And Fiorentina worked because uh, he was flanked. The tactics are completely, as we know, different. Vincenzo Italiano versus Allegri. Um, yeah. One of Vlahovic's biggest weaknesses is his link-up play. He's not a good link-up play forward. Mm-hmm. And he's going to have to do that at Juve. And so he's going to have a, quite a bit of a learning curve, I believe, unless Juve all of a sudden decides to start playing up the field and smothering teams and, and getting balls into the box where he will be more effective. I think... We're going to see his goal production come down a little bit, in all honesty. 
It, you yeah. know, if we look at Allegri, the strikers he's had in his entire career since he started managing uh, in Serie A, 0708, we look at the likes of Matri, Boriello, Pato, Huntelar, Ibrahimovic, Pazzini, Bal- Balotelli, Tavez, Morata, Dybala, Higuain, Cassano, Robinho, Inzaghi. He's had, he's had this plethora of strikers, but there's only been one outlier in regards to who who scored a big amount of goals, and that was Ibra in the season of 2011-12. He scored 28 goals. Besides yeah. that, no one else has broken the 20 mark except Iguain and Dybala, and, and Tevez hit it once. So we're talking about world-class elite forwards under the Allegri system. Now, 20 goals is a respectable amount, but very few have been able to break it. And I'm just curious to see if Vlahovic will be able to live up to these guys because those are big names. So we'll see if Vlahovic can reach those heights in regards to stardom. It's going to be – it's a big gamble, $70 million, but we'll see if, uh, if it pays off, I guess, as the years go by now. And uh, so, Jules. Yes. Let's move on to your team here. Gosens from Atalanta to Inter. Nobody talked about it. It just happened. This happened. I don't know where. Hands down for me, best signing of the window. Best yeah. signing of the transfer market, I think, in City App, period. Um, he has a ridiculous amount of goals for a left back, left wing back. He's been a catalyst in the Atalanta side with Gasparini. Yes, he has that injury right now, but once he comes back, we'll imagine he's going to hit the r- ground running. Oh, yeah. The guy, the guy's a machine, and that signing just reinforced maybe Inter's biggest weakness in the team was that left side, and it's unbelievable. He's he's going to change everything. He runs nonstop. He gets on the end of crosses. He's he's good defensively. It's just what an unbelievable signing that was for, for $30 million. I'm looking forward to seeing him yeah. you know, continue the German tradition that Inter has uh, – with some of the superstars they signed from Germany, yeah. and it's crazy that Atalanta would just let him go. He accepted; they accepted a lower fee for him to go to Inter because Newcastle apparently brought in a, a yeah. much higher fee. So, I mean, he 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 didn't, it was Inter. He didn't want to go to Newcastle. He went for the the prestige and the history of the, of, of Inter. And who can blame him? He's yeah. he hasn't made in Italy, you know, and. He does. I think it's only going to get better for him if you ask me personally. No, absolutely. Absolutely. We'll, I mean, Inter just basically got stronger. They didn't get any weaker at all. They just got stronger. They, they've, they're they already added, they, the team to beat in Serie A. Yeah, and they, they added also <laughs> Genoa's uh, Felipe Quesedo up top. Yeah. Add more depth to the to striking department as well. They made Marotta, honestly, he's changed this club around complete 180 and he's he's the reason why they they became champions yeah uh, and it's all credit to his his intelligence on the transfer market when these months come around the summer transfer market in the winter he, that guy works just magic and i have a feeling come summer there's going to be a lot more surprises coming in uh, oh, yeah. for enter that people aren't going to be expecting but uh for me the ghost and signing is the best signing of the of the window in regards to value for money and everything Absolutely. What now, other uh, what other big signings? Jules, I gotta talk about this team because yeah. they made they clearly brought it. They're bringing in a whole bunch of people. They they're pretty much like a new team. And I'm talking about Salernitana. <laughs> yeah, all the it. all the guys they brought in. Diego Perotti, basically coming out of retirement to play for them. 
Yeah, Fazio. <laughs> Fazio's. Thank, thank you for taking him. By the way, thank you so yeah. much, Salernitana, for taking. Him. But you know what? He's actually gonna, he's gonna do something there. I think probably. Um, they just they, and they, you know, they got uh, Radovanovic from uh, Genoa, who was a solid. He's, he's been a solid defensive midfielder mainstay in mm-hmm. Serie A, uh, for for a long, long time. And adding, uh, you know, even going into uh, into Brazil and bringing in uh, Mikhail from Sport Recife, they they brought in all these guys. Like it's it's crazy. Radu Dragazin uh, yes. is on, Simone, having a loan Simone transfer. Ver- yeah, Simone Verdi, Mazzocchi, like, Liz Musset from the Championship. That Dragusin, that Dragusin signing, although it's just a loan uh, transfer, was that's one of their best signings they did. Because he was doing it a pretty is. good job at Sampdoria. It, it, honestly, they're gonna. I don't know how this team's gonna. I mean, they still got Colatuano at the helm, so I mean, yeah. I don't know. But they're they're clearly going for it to stay in Serie A. Clearly, yeah, and, they are. Uh, it was a complete shakeup. They got rid of two big center forwards in their team, though. Simi's gone now to Parma. That, they just didn't give him enough time. I know. I think he's good. I I agree. I don't think he belongs to City. And Cedric Gondo too was released to Cremonese. Yeah. So they yeah complete shakeup. I was shocked seeing yeah. these signings come in, and we'll see if they can make that run. I mean, it's still tight. It's it's possible, but that's what all the bottom teams did. You even look at Genoa. Genoa signed. Oh yeah. Uh, around ten players themselves. A lot yeah. of them made before the deadline, but it's just it's unbelievable what the bottom teams. Yeah, have done this transfer window. It's how crazy. busy they've been, and they're going to be like if they can get their crap together with these players, they're going to all mm-hmm. be difficult to beat. It's not going to be no walk in the park. You're not going to go for a stroll in Genoa to smash Genoa. No. You're not going to go into Salernitana and just you know have a cornetto and smash them at the same time. You know, <laughs> but like or get your uh, get your espresso cazzo there and uh, <laughs> and get sma- and smash them like it's yeah. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. But uh, I just want to also sorry. Go, go ahead. Go, go. Go I ahead. just also want to talk about to take it off Salernitana a little bit. Atalanta too. They kind of made two under the radar signings with Jeremy Boga from Sosuolo. Yep. And Valentin Mihaela. If anyone remembers him from last season in Syria, he was lighting it up with Parma, the young twenty-one-year-old Romanian. So they made two interesting signings up top maybe for me this maybe makes Atlanta maybe too top heavy now I understand they've lost Ilicic due to uh, personal reasons he's taken mm-hmm. another hiatus from from football but um, it's another two great offensive signings for for Atalanta I think they're still on the downfall and and I just think they got worse by losing Gosens I yeah. mean Jeremy Boga's a good signing for sure um Jeremy Boga is a really good signing, and we'll see what this kid from Parma can do. He's going to yes. need time, though. He will. Um, give me your the biggest loser of the transfer window, and I have a feeling I know where you're going to go with it. Hands down? Yeah. Lazio. <laughs> yes, I agree. Protests. Oh, my God. They got, <laughs> Protests they did, happening. They did nothing. They pretty they much did, did nothing. <laughs> they did nothing. You have a team that is begging for depth begging for depth and they got and they got rid of guys they got rid of guys yeah and like even Saudi was like apparently losing his shit over uh over over how Lazio handled the the transfer market 
for the winter. Yeah, he, he, he came out to the club. He said, it's either you choose me or Ilya Tare, the sporting director. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's it. I'm not going to sign the contract extension if if he's here still. So they're butting heads, like I said, fans protesting. Yeah. He did end up he did end up bringing one player in, Giovanni from uh, Sporting yeah. Lisbon on a loan yeah. fee of one million dollars. Yeah. But it's it's unacceptable to a team that's making a push. Uh, like I said, they got rid of Mohamed Fedes to Torino. Yes, he was injured, but he uh, yeah. he left. Johnny left to Sporting Gijon. Yep. The, and the list goes on. Vidat Marici left to Mallorca, the Lazio legend. Um, <laughs> Good riddance. And, 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 and yeah, they signed another winger as if they needed another winger. They yeah. literally don't have a backup for Chiro Immobile. Yeah. What a disaster. It's, it's a disaster. They're going to, this team is not going to climb the table, Jules. No. They're just going to, they're just going to fall apart, I think. And, uh, yeah, I mean, other than that, it's been a relatively, you know, there wasn't really any big splashes. I mean, the good news is for Sassuolo, Scamacca, Berardi, Raspadori, that tried in this thing, put together for the, at least the rest of the season. Yeah, so definitely going to be picked apart in the summer. Oh, yeah, hands down. Um, you know, AC Milan didn't do too much. Yeah, another, another team that signed... They only signed uh, one player, young Serbian, more so for the future. But yeah, they they signed yeah. nobody. And they loaned out uh, Pietro Pellegrini to Torino. So mm-hmm. Torino has a has a little bit of depth up to up top, which is nice. Yeah. Other than that, there wasn't really much. I mean, we already talked about the Roma transfers. Yeah, um, Roma getting their business done early. Yeah, getting their business done early, getting Fazio off the books, which is great. Uh, looks like we're going to be selling Zaniolo in the summertime. To Juve of all clubs or or the Premier League, but yeah, Juve, Tottenham, and uh, AC Milan are the are the three front runners. We'll see. Honestly, you know, trajectory is not always up. I know he's young, but who knows? Yeah. Maybe uh, I don't know. Yeah, just because he has talent doesn't mean he's going to be a, a good player. So exactly, exactly. And also, let let's while we're in the in the spirit of the mercato, on this side of the pond. Toronto FC, Jules, is just yes. getting stronger and stronger. So they got that Venezuelan out of here. <laughs> and and they brought in Salcedo from Tigres, who's basically a Mexican international center back in his prime. Yes. Yeah. So they've stacked up the defense, Jules. They pretty much have a done deal for Domenico Crisito to come in July. Yep. So stacking up there. And... The way the MLS works with a designated player status, you can only have three designated players. Uh, Salcedo is technically a designated player until July. And then in July, he becomes a total total allocation money player, which means that opens up a DP slot for Toronto FC, which means there is another big signing coming. And we don't know who it is yet. Uh, Rumors are that it's Andrea Bellotti, but we'll see. Um, the other big thing is we've been saying that it, I've been saying that a deal's been done. It just hasn't been announced yet for a few months now. And he was spotted training with Toronto FC. Sebastian Jovinko's back. Maybe he will be signing for Toronto FC. And uh, they're just th- this team, Jules, is like stacked, absolutely stacked. It looks like they are definitely targeting winning the CONCACAF Champions League. 
uh, with the amount of money they are splashing. And uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do. But uh, it's cool to see that uh, a team from MLS like Toronto FC is like they're really gunning hard for that CONCACAF Champions League. So it's that's Toronto FC for you. Um, on to City Adjules. Let's talk City A. City A is back on Saturday. And uh, the first game is Roma Genoa. Roma Genoa. <laughs> At the Stadio Olimpico. What a way to come yeah, back. Yeah, what a way to come back, for real. What a way to come back. I mean, like I, like I said in the last podcast, just when Roma gets on a every time Roma gets on a roll, we get a bloody international break, and then we fall apart right after that. We do, but you know, this, this is a team Roma has success against. I mean... In their last 15 matches against Genoa, they're unbeaten with 12 wins, 3 draws, scoring 31 goals in the process, almost 2.1 a game. Uh, so it's good odds <laughs> for you. And uh, No, it's good yeah. odds, but at the same time, Genoa have a new manager. Yes. They, play, they played a different game. They're going to be playing physical. They're going to be hard to beat. <sighs> It's gonna be tough. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's not gonna be. It's gonna be interesting to see Jose Mourinho because his whole style has been offensive recently. How he counters blessing. I don't think he's encountered a a system like that in City A yet. So I'll be curious to see how he counters the Germans' uh, tactics. Jose Jose yeah. Mourinho. This is his, this is his 100th City A game as a manager. Actually, so if he was if he were to win this game, he would equal uh, Antonio Conte's record for. 62 wins out of 100 matches and and he'd be the most successful along with Antonio Conte. Oh, so there's the in the three-point win era. Yeah, so he will go down in history if if he wins this uh as one of the best City A managers of all time. Well, tell me how you see this game. I think uh Roma's going to have to change their tactics a bit. I think uh their players aren't going to be as fresh fresh because they got the international players, right? Genoa more so they have players that were able to stay home and train the, the past two weeks. I think that's going to be a huge advantage because Blessing's system is a bit complicated. We know he's from the gang and pressing style uh, of football that uh, Ralph Raniak has brought to Germany and and is the godfather of. And we know that system takes time to implement. Uh, we've seen it with Tuchel at Chelsea, Ralph Raniak himself at Manchester United, Klopp with Liverpool, and now Genoa's uh, with Blessing. It takes time, but when that system gets going, it's very hard to beat. And I'm just curious to see uh, if Roma's going to be able to handle the in-your-face, crushing tackles, the aggressiveness of Genoa, and yeah. uh, if Tammy will be able to continue his his, uh, his goal-scoring form. But it, it's going to be tough. I think Roma being at home, though, it plays a big factor. So we'll see. Of course it we'll does. We'll see. But it's going inter- to be an interesting game big time. Yeah. Big time. There's a, there's a lot of momentum uh, that Roma has right now. They're gaining momentum, mm-hmm. and uh, they need to keep the pressure on Juve and Atalanta for top four because they're again now we're only five points out of the top four, which is crazy. Um, they have to win this game, and they know how much a w- they need to win these pick up these games if they're gonna make a push into the Champions League. So for me, they're at home. They should be able to grind out a win. It's not going to be easy. It's probably going to be more like a one nothing or a two to one game, but it's going to be a Roma win in my books. Yeah, and, and you know what? If the transfer market's anything to go by, you look at their rivals, which were Fiorentina, Lazio, 
they've pretty much waved the white flag and say we're not going for Champions League spots. So yeah. Roma's biggest competition now is keeping up with Juve, and I think not feeling that pressure behind them now, it's gonna be it's gonna only help Roma, I think, in the in the long run. Absolutely. So you're saying Roma's gonna win? I would give them the edge for this match, yeah. All right. Up next is the Milan Derby. Yes, it is. The Derby della Madonna. <laughs> what do we think here, Jules? Tell me. Break it down for me. Yeah, the two most offensive teams in Serie A uh, in, in regards to goals scored. So, yeah, between these two teams, I think Inter obviously has the big advantage. Uh, psychologically, I think AC Milan feel inferior, fear, inferior to Inter. Uh, the last time they beat them, was in October of 2020. Uh, that's the last time Inter lost the home match. And coincidentally, it was to AC Milan. Uh, in that time, though, Inter has gone on their longest undefeated streak at home, 46 matches. Um, and I think that run will continue. I think AC uh, are inferior in the midfield. I think AC don't have the legs up top with the offense. I don't, I don't believe Zlatan... Giroud have the the keys to unlock the inter defense. I think a lot of it's going to come down to the AC wingers, um, and I don't think they're going to threaten Inter too much. I believe this should be a straightforward win because all the pressure is on AC Milan to win. Inter don't Inter it is. yeah just, Inter don't even have to go into this game and win. They can draw it and and be comfortable. So I think this just plays perfectly into into Inter's hands, and I think the pressure is going to get to AC and Pioli, and I just don't see them coming out with the victory here. What do you think? No, I I agree with you. I don't see them coming out with a victory. Their pressure is on them. Their scudetto, their scudetto target is this is the it for them, do or die. Because mm-hmm. if they lose this game, it's going to be a long mountain to climb, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a long road back for them. So they have to take it to Inter, and Inter knows that. So Inter's going to be like, here you go, come take it to us, and then Inter's going to expose them on the counterattack, and it's going to be a very comfortable Inter Milan win. I think. Yeah, I agree. I don't see. I have. I, I give AC Milan no chance in this game. Yeah, and and if we look at Inter strikers, you know the biggest problem in January was everyone was kind of out of form. Now, you look at how Latar Martinez did uh, for Argentina. He's now entered the top ten for goals uh, scored by an Argentinian striker. Uh, so yeah. he's made history with Argentina already at at the young age. He's at Alexis Sanchez scored uh, in the Chile game. A big win for them. So their strikers are now scoring goals again. And Tad, on top of that, now they've added Felipe Caicedo. So, you know, P- Inter, you could get maybe some points off them in January because they weren't scoring goals. But now <laughs> our, our goal scores are back. So it's only more, you know, it's more piling on uh, for AC Milan, the pressure-wise. Exactly. Exactly. So we're both trying to take Inter to win this game. Next up, Jules, on Saturday, it's the final game of the afternoon. It's the two teams that wave the white flag. <laughs> yes. The team with no depth, with the team that lost against the team that lost their start, Fiorentina host Lazio. How do we see this game, Jules? If history's anything to go by, Lazio have won their last six, six out of eight against Fiorentina. So they've been they've been dominating this uh, fixture. I'll be curious to see Artur Cabral as well, how he does slotting in. I, th- I would expect yeah. him to start immediately in the starting lineup for Vicenzo Italiano and and Fiorentina. And uh, it's a big game. It's a big game to keep those top four hopes alive, even though I think both of them now just threw it away. But uh, I would give Lazio 
the slight edge. The 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 interesting thing about this game too is Lazio and Fiorentina are amongst the two most successful team at converting shots in the league. Lazio eighteen point three, Fiorentina thirteen point nine. Um, so they these guys shoot, they score goals. Um, so it'll be an interesting offensive game in that in that regard. Oh yeah, it's going to be a lights out game. I think uh, I think it's going to be. Uh... Like a three a high scoring three to two four to three game, they can't. But I am gonna I am gonna lean towards Fiorentina. You think they'll pull something out here? Eh? Yeah, I just think both teams are gonna be reeling, but I think Fiorentina is gonna f- pulls a rabbit out of a hat yeah. here. I mean, the drive is still there to get into Europe, get into maybe the Conference League or the Europa League if they if they can, and. Uh, that would be huge for them because Rocco Camiso knows once you're in Europe and you get that little bit of extra money, it makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the end of the day, Fiorentina still have Nico Gonzalez there. Yeah. And he can feed anybody the ball. So if Cabral comes in, I think he's going to sc- It'd be nice for him to score a goal or two. If Piontek comes in, maybe he scores a goal or two. So I think Fiorentina, I just. I like them. There's just so much turmoil happening in Lazio right now. There's a lot of antics, obviously, with Sadi and Taita going at each other. There's no depth. They didn't do anything. Very true. Very true. Like, they just, there's way too much distraction. Like, it's like, I would say Lazio's more of a disaster than, Fiore, than Fiorentina. Fiorentina, yes, they lost their best player, but they made 70 million off it. They brought in a replacement right away. I think they're a little better off. So I'm going to give Fiorentina the edge in this All game. Right. All right, on to the next game, and it goes Sunday morning, and that is Atalanta Cagliari. Yeah, at the Guay Stadium. What do you think here? Tricky, tricky, tricky game. Cagliari have kind of been on a roll as of late, and uh, Atalanta, they've just been hit and miss for Mm -hmm. me. I mean, they don't – like Atalanta, like the excitement from Atalanta for me is is – done they it really is done i mean they're they're mediocre at best now and they're coming up against a cognitive team that is really starting to pick up the pace and this has bought into whatever walter mazzari is doing over there and i honestly think cognitive can do something here i i really don't see atalanta coming out and mopping the floor with cognitive i i, I see a grind and I wouldn't be shocked if we see a draw here. Yeah, it'd be it's going to be an interesting result. You know, Atalanta do have the obvious advantage. Uh, they've won the last four games, each of them. Um, Caledi are terrible on the road this season. Have only won one of their last twelve. Have only won one of their last twelve away City A matches. Um, so you know the the cards are stacked against Caledi, but yeah, they're they're they are in form. They are picking up points. Atalanta. Are in desperate need of a win, only winning one in their last five, I believe it is. Um, mm-hmm. So they're in desperate need of a win. Khalidi desperate needed a win to stay, you know, in the fight for relegation to get out of that re- relegation zone. Um, it's going to be interesting tactically, tactically too, because you know Gasparini. Atalanta is a team that has pressed the most this season, and they're going to go against the team that has pressed the least this season. Meaning Khalidi, Khalidi sit back a lot, so it's going to be interesting that that dynamic how Khalidi unlock Atalanta with uh, counterattack. Um, yeah. The only weapon that Cagliari aren't going to have um, 
is Atalanta's the best at defending set pieces. They have the fewest conceded goals, so it's it's very hard to score against them. While Caldiri's the worst at defending set pieces. So, <laughs> I mean, everything's kind of stacked in Atalanta's favor, but Caldiri have that sliver of hope and in, in momentum. I I would say in their favor, but it's hard for me to choose oh. Caldiri, and I'm gonna pick Atalanta for the edge. All right, so. Julian was telling you to take Atalanta. I'm telling you to take the draw in this game. Up next, number 12 plays number 13, Bologna, hosting Empoli. Both teams' jewels in atrocious form. Yes. Empoli in their last six, they've drawn three and lost three. Bologna in their last six have won one and lost five. Whew. Mm-hmm. Is anybody going to pay attention to this game? <sighs> this is probably, yeah, this is one of the games you can you can miss. uh because I just seen it ending in a draw. There's really no team's going to go out here to win. I don't think. I think they're going to play not to lose this game. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, both teams have been abysmal, and they just need points to stay afloat in that in that mid-table race. Uh, but, yeah, I don't I don't see much here. Orsellini, maybe the biggest thing. Maybe he can continue his form, score five goals in five consecutive games. Um, that would be interesting. Uh, but besides that, I, I really don't see anything to watch in this game nope definitely not so we're both trying to take the boring draw in this game yeah up next venezia host napoli this will be an interesting game for napoli Jules, because i mean it's win-win for them because if ac milan puts a rap pulls a rabbit out of the hat and beats inter napoli with a win will keep up with ac milan and gain ground on inter and if Inter, like we expect, beats AC Milan, Napoli separates themselves from AC. Mm-hmm. So, this game is must win for Napoli, is it not? Uh, of course. Uh, of course. Yeah. Napoli, let's just say Venezia hasn't beaten Napoli since 1942, and I don't think it happens this year. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, it's not. not Venezia have been in terrible yeah. form. Napoli have been pretty decent. And... This is when you want to play Venezia when they're at their, when they're basically hovering. And the thing too, Jules, is I know I'm I'm a bit of a conspiracy theorist, <laughs> but if Cagliari does something in that Atalanta game, which is right before Venezia, yeah, like it, even if they get a draw, that puts them on level terms with Venezia, mm-hmm. and Venezia is basically staring at relegation, okay, dead in the eye. They'll be even on points. Okay. So if Cagliari does something, you got to imagine that Venezia is going to feel that pressure. Oh, 100%. 100%. Big And I don't think that helps them either. No, it doesn't help them. It makes it even worse. This has got Napoli written all over it, in my opinion. Napoli win the game. Yeah, I I agree. The only thing maybe Venezia has going for them is uh, Napoli have lost Lozano to injury over the international break, but they have so many more options off the bench. So it's the, the, the deck is stacked against Venezia in this game. Yeah. Big time. So we're both trying to take Napoli up next. Sampdoria hosting Sassuolo. Jules. Yeah. This is going to be an interesting game for Giampaolo. The second game. Is it going to be as much of a disappointment as this game against Spezia? Because that we said was an absolute joke of a showing. They might as well not have even came on the field for that match. Uh, 
And it and it's not going to get any better because you look at the history once again between these two teams. Sassuolo have lost only one of their last ten games against Sampdoria, so uh, this is going to be an uphill battle for Gianpaolo. And this is one of the, I would say, one of the better Sassuolo teams in uh I agree in recent seasons. So I just I don't see it with Gianpaolo. I'm not convinced by him. Um, his tactics. Yes, he signed Stefano Senzi, which is huge. Um. But does Senzi, you know, going into the team make that much of a difference against his former team, Sassuolo even? I don't think so. I think Sassuolo is just too good for Sampdoria, and I think Sassuolo gets the win here. Couldn't agree with you more. Marco Giampolo is not a guy to dig you out of relegation and help you survive. I just don't know what he does. I don't know what's... I don't know who's worse, him or Eusebio Di Francesco. He's Eusebio for sure. I'm, but he, he's getting there. He's getting there with Roberto De Versa and and, and those yeah. guys. He's falling into that category of these guys that just this revolving door of managers that keep getting fired. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And being brought into these bottom teams. I don't understand it. No, I agree. Um, but we're both telling you it takes a solo for this for this game. Yes. Up next, Udine. Are hosting Torino. What do you think? Udinese, the I think, are in a bit of trouble in this game. What do you think? Oh yeah, I think Udinese is in a bit of trouble. Torino's really been gaining some momentum. Uh they they've been looking great. I mean, they've won four of their last six. They've only lost one of their last six too. So I mean, they're they're in some pretty hot form, and they're playing. They're playing free flowing, Jules. Like they're scoring a bucket load of goals lately. Yeah, and. Uh, Going up against an Udinese team that's really struggling, mm-hmm. really struggling. Uh, they they leak a ton of goals. They've scored thirty one, which is great. I think it falls on the hands of Beto and Dulufeu. But uh, I just think those guys are going up against a very defensively sound Torino team. We know how the Ivan Juric system is; like it's defense first, and they're always a tough nut to crack. So I think Udinese is going to really struggle there, and they're going to fall down further down the table, or they're going to dig themselves into a hole. And Torino is going to win this game, and we're going to be start. I think after this weekend, we're going to be saying, "Is Torino going to is a contender? Are they a contender for the Conference League? Maybe." Yeah, why not? I mean, Torino they should have beat Swallow in that last game, and that would put them on four wins in the last five. Um, yeah, you know they've been. They've been playing some terrific football, and I think it continues here. I think they wipe Udinese in this game. I don't think Udinese has a chance. Um, no, they don't have. They don't have a hope. In yeah, the hell. Torino just plays the better team game. They cycle the ball way better between their players. There's no outstanding superstars. Maybe Bremer, who no. they're going to be lucky. You know, he just signed a contract, but it doesn't matter. He's going to leave in the summer transfer window. Um, he's probably their only really star player. But this is a team of, of just good skilled players that work for each other and Torino yeah I don't they're not going to give Udine a chance in this game easy easy win no. for Torino easy Torino win up next this game's actually really tricky Jules Juve hosting Hellas Verona yes <laughs> tell me uh, what do you, do you expect Vlahovic and Zaka, uh, Dennis Zakaria to start in this game against Hellas Verona I think so yeah. I think you have to I think I think they're already talking to me that is going to sit on the bench so they're gonna have to try this team out and see what happens. Um, it's gonna be a tough, tough game. 
Hellas Verona, one of the best teams, one of the best teams in Serie A under Igor Tudor. And uh, yeah, it's not gonna be, it's not gonna be easy. Yeah, not gonna be a straightforward they, win. They for won them. the reverse fixture two on Hellas Verona. <laughs> you know, yeah, they've they've haven't lost in their last four matches to Juve. No one's done that since Sampdoria 2013. Um, it, it's it's pretty wild what Hellas Verona has been able to do to Juve. Yeah. It's been... I think it continues, to be honest with you. You think they're going to pull it off here? I, I think Hellas Verona is going to pull up, come out of... come out with a draw here. I think Juve is going to drop two points in this game. I mean, it's... It's going to be a south. Sour debut for Vlahovic and Zechariah. Yeah, I mean, it's always tough. I know because they're they're changed. They're complete. The spine of the team's been changed from forward to midfield with the signing. So Juve, yeah, are those growing pains going to be there? Hales Verona, Hales Verona, on the other hand, are an established team, uh, one of the best finishing teams in the league as well. They they make that top three in regards to converted chances. The only downside I would say with Hales Verona right now is all the goals are coming from Gianluca Caprari and Barak. Uh, Simeone is completely fallen off the map. Um, that's the only downside I would give to their game right now. He's not reliable, and uh, he's missing easy chances that he was scoring before. So uh, is, is that going to play a big factor? I guess we'll see. So I'll give the slight edge to Juve just because they're at home. It's hard to it's hard to not yeah. pick them in this match. But, I mean, House Verona are more than capable. But I'll be curious to see if Simeone he has to come out of this terrible slump he's in and start start banging in goals again. Yeah, absolutely. So, do you know to take the Juve win? I'm telling you to take the draw. Got to keep those Juve fans happy, you know? Yeah, of course, of course. At least one of us does. <laughs> and the final game on Monday, Salernitana, a brand new team. Seriously. <laughs> hosting one of the hottest teams in Serie A. Las Vegas, yeah. What do we think here? Yeah, you just said a brand new Salernitana team. They could probably field an entire new 11 with all the signings they made yeah. and uh, against, yeah, the Red Hot Spetsy. What do you think here, Christian? Well, I think it's going to be more of the same for Salernitana, and I think Salernitana is going to lose this game. And the reason why is Spezia's, you have Spezia, who's one of the hottest teams in the city out right now, pulling off win after win after win. They've won... F- they. I mean, in their last six duels, they're four wins, one draw, one loss. That's incredible. Mm. And they're climbing up the table. They're buying into the Tiago Mata way, and they've claimed a few scalps along the way. Going up against the Salernitana team, yes, these are a whole bunch of new names. They just came in. Yeah. Can you really throw a team together like that? Well, that... And just field them a few days later? Well, that, that's the key word, which you just said. They're a team, Spezia. And... Yeah, for me, Salernitana. Yes, they made a lot of signings. It shows intent to stay in the league, but at the same time, a lot of these guys are are loans. So they signed a bunch of mercenaries, and they hold no they hold yeah. no allegiance to the Salernitana badge, right? Um, no, they're gonna put themselves first. And right now, what Salernitana really needs is to dig in deep and, and create a a team atmosphere. And it's all gonna come down to Colotuano. This is where. Stefano is going to get his chance to show on show his managerial pedigree here. If he's able, which he doesn't, which have. yeah, which I don't think he has either. But if if he's able to jaw this this group of individuals who are looking for a second chance and 
in, in their careers, really, all these signings, if you, if you look at the names, if he's able to draw these guys into something, I, I'll be very impressed. If Southern Itana is able to make the great escape out of, out of relegation, it will probably be one of the, the greatest escapes in City A history um, if they're able to do it. I do have my reservations against it, but that, that's why I'm going to give Spezia the advantage in this game. I just think, yes, they, they brought some interesting names, but it's a team of individuals. And Colotuano, I don't think, has that ability to, to bring these guys together. And Tiago Mota has done the complete opposite. He has a, 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 name, a team with, of no names, really, if you think about it. And yeah. he's turned all these guys into, you know, uh, potential stars playing for the Spezia badge. Um, yeah. So it's it's it'll be very interesting to see this game. It's uh it's a bottom of the table clash, but this for me is one of the one of the big games of of uh, of the weekend. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But uh, like I said, it's gonna be Spezia. It's gonna be same old crap for learning Tana. Just yeah. can't get him. Can't get this team of mercenaries, as you <laughs> will, if you as you say together in time. Yeah, and this will be solid this will be Spezia's first double if they were to get the victory. This would be their first double over any City A team in their history too. So this is a big well, this is go. a big uh game for Spezia. Huge. Mm-hmm. Huge. And just like that Jules, that sums up match day 24. Yes, glad to be back City A. Glad to be talking about it. And I hope the fans are 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 happy that we're back too. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, it was a pretty long international break. Uh, but uh, Serie is back. And uh, we don't have to worry about another international break until uh, March now. So the big it's going to be all Serie <laughs> The big one. The the playoff for Italy. And the clincher for yes. Canada. It's going to be in One side of us. One window. side of us most likely is going to be really happy. The other side, I feel, is going to be uh, a bit sad. <laughs> But we'll That's see. We'll thinking. see. We'll I think see. it's going to be pure euphoria. We'll see. <laughs> but uh, Serie A's back. So for the next month, guys. Put your spaghetti away, crack girls. out the craft dinner. That's what's going to happen. What's <laughs> Put your spaghetti away, crack out the craft dinner. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't say that. <laughs> Jesus. I don't care if Canada makes the World Cup or not. I ain't no craft dinner. <laughs> Jesus. Disgusting. <laughs> Disgusting. Anyways, we're back. City it, for the next little while. It's gonna be all Serie, Coppa Italia, and Champions League, Europa League, and Europa Conference League. Yes, that's what we're gonna be talking about. It's club football takes the center stage for at least the next month and a bit, and uh, we're excited to be back. We'll be, I guess, we'll be going every couple of days, Jules, because <laughs> there's gonna be so much bloody football to be talking about, and. Uh, in such a short period of time. Yeah, it's piling back up again. Which is great. It so is good. We're happy to be back. We hope that you're happy that we're back. And uh, as always, we appreciate you listening to us. We'll be back at the end of match day 24 to preview Coppa Italia at match day 25 for you. So until next time, everybody, ciao ragazzi. Ciao ragazzi. Yeah, yeah, yeah.